So we ended the year at uh, 564,000 in MRR USD. Got it. Okay, got so it. So we saw about 20% growth in, in 2020. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster, minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Kyle Racky. He's the co-founder and CEO of Proposify, a software as a service company based in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, which currently serves more than 10,000 customers worldwide. He started his first business, a web design company at age 24 and sold it after five years. He's blogged extensively about his journey through the ups and downs of entrepreneurship and is the author of Free Trials and Tribulations, How to Build a Business While Getting Punched in the Mouth. Kyle, you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready. So speaking about getting punched in the mouth, I mean, I remember we, before COVID hit, we were in person at an event and you were mentioning, hey, we're going to try and get a round done. And then COVID hits. Give us an update. What happened? Did you get a deal done? We got a deal done. That's great. And so so what were you looking for? And for people that are not familiar with Proposify from your last episodes, give a quick overview on the product. Sure. So um, our product uh, essentially helps sales leaders in scaling um, SaaS teams get uh, SaaS sales teams get more control and visibility into their uh, sales documents. So what we uh, we typically do is we help sales teams that are growing who, you know, it's sort of chaos and every rep is sending proposals and quotes and contracts um, through, you know, PDF and Word and all these different tools. We basically uh, tighten that up, uh, create a more consistent user experience and buying experience and uh, and offer insights and analytics into how prospects are interacting with the documents. Hmm. So that's what we do as a company. Uh, now you asked about the round. So, I mean, we had um, uh, previous in- investors um, who essentially we we got in touch with CBGF, which is the Canadian Business Growth Fund, who uh, they're back. Their LPs are like TD Bank and sort of large national banks. And, um, you know, we were sort of going through the process of, of them doing a partial or a full buyout of the existing investors and putting some uh, capital on the balance sheet. So we were able to get that deal done in uh, March of, of last year. Finally uh, closed around May. Yeah, that's great. So explain to me explain to me the strategy there. So there's a lot of people listening that have raised a little capital and they're going, some investors want out. How do I recap them? You did this, it sounds like. Sort of give me the, the extra context there. Sure, yeah. I mean, I have to be a, a bit careful about how much information I give out just out of respect to the investors. But 
I mean, essentially, we had a group of investors who, you know, for one reason or another, wanted out and, and they wanted their money back. CBGF came to the table with essentially a, a proposition that would enable them to be bought out 100 percent, get get out completely and put uh, put about, geez, I almost forget now, three million on the balance sheet. Mm-hmm. So what was the total round side? Three to the balance sheet and how much to early folks? Um, I had agreed I would not disclose that information. <laughs> I have to keep that close to my chest. That's fine. That's fine. Okay, got it. So prior to that round, though, you had raised about three point five million, correct? Yeah, about that. In twenty nineteen and twenty sixteen. Okay, great. And and so moving forward, you have three million in extra operating capital on the balance sheet. Now it's March twenty twenty. Where are you investing that capital last year to grow the business? So I think. You know, obviously for everybody, there was a lot of unknowns around March and and, and moving forward in last year. People just didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so I think the initial strategy and, and what our investors wanted was essentially just sit on the cash, don't spend it, keep it in the bank in case, you know, everything goes to shit and you need the money. Um, but what we actually found was that um, even though growth was slowed overall, there was modest growth and it was actually exceeding kind of our investors' expectations. So we were able to allocate some of that capital into growing the team, investing in product and sales. But overall, um, we did not spend, you know, uh, even close to the amount of capital that we raised. So now that we're kind of heading into 2021, where we're looking to really invest is mainly in the product and engineering team. Flesh that out for me today. What? How many engineers are on the team? We have about uh, forty, probably split between DevOps, QA, and what's the 35. total team size, Kyle? Um, company just passed a hundred or so employees. Oh, got it. Okay, so that's up about twenty-five since I interviewed you back in late twenty nineteen. Um, sounds like yep. most of that growth came from engineering. Do you have Do you have any quota carrying sales rep these days? We do. We actually have um, three quota carrying reps and then sort of the BDRs and support team around them. And so one thing that we kind of look to do as we get in further into this year and see how things are going is essentially looking to scale up that sales team. Mm -hmm. So three quota carrying and then the whole sales organization together is how many? Uh, It's about 10. 10. Okay. And and again, context here, last time you were on the show, you had just broken about 4.5 million in ARR and you've scaled now to about what? So we ended the year at uh, 564,000 in MRR USD. Got it. Okay. Got so it. we saw a 20% growth in, in 2020. It's healthy. So the story of this podcast is really how you went from about four and a half million in, in terms of run rate up to about a $7 million run rate by adding 10 engineers bringing on some quota carrying sales reps. Let's talk about the reps for a second. That first sales hire is always tricky. How do you decide what to set their initial quota at? Yeah, I mean, this has been an an evolutionary process for about two, three years now. Um, You know, we had raised the first time we had raised the round, we kind of did the classic mistake where you, you know, you go and hire VP of sales with big company experience. They go and hire, you know, 10, 20 reps very quickly without much of our go-to-market or our positioning and figured out. So I think we had already made that mistake and taken the team back to a very small size. Um, the team has been led for the last year and a half by Daniel Haybear. And really, like in terms of setting quota, I think it's like we're always adjusting that process. We're even going into 2021 with, with you know, essentially a new comp plan for the reps. 
Um, but essentially, you know, what it looks like now moving into 2021 is like, as, as opposed to resetting the commissions and the quotas every month, it's more of looking at annual targets and then accelerators once they surpass the, uh, the, the sort of baseline target for the year. So essentially everything after that point becomes much more lucrative for the reps. So I, if I was if I was joining Proposify today uh, and I was on this new comp plan you've put together, what are you going to tell me that my quota and my annual quota is? Um, it, you know, these are one of the, some of the numbers I did not quite prepare for. So off the top of my head, if you were joining today, I mean, so one of the things that we've adjusted is there's actually a bit of a variation from rep to rep. So some reps who want kind of a bit more of their percentage in salary and others who want a little bit more in commission, depending on where they're at in life and, you know, family commitments and whatnot. So we've actually provided a little bit of flexibility. So it's not just complete boilerplate from rep to rep, uh-huh. um, but essentially you're looking at a, um, it could be, uh, this is a little bit talking, talking about, you know what, but 10% roughly of the gross sales within accelerators that closer to get closer to the 20% mark after you've hit a certain amount of quota. Okay. So, I mean, is that quote amount, like they need to land, you know, there's three of them. So if you want to add 3 million in ARR and they, they would each have, you know, an average of like a million dollar quota. I mean, is this sort of the yeah, range you're looking at? Sure. Yeah. What we could do is, uh, if you, if you wanted to cut this out of the interview, when you, when you, uh, launch it, I can just look up the numbers really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's okay. Yeah. Take your time doing that. I mean, the reason I'm asking is because you, when you came on last, you, you talked to us about sort of average price point. I mean, you're not yet, at least from what I can tell an enterprise motion. I mean, your average is like a 45 to $50 a month sort of deal. And sure you might sell a lot of seats, um, but, but walk me through that. I mean, how do you manage the low ACV, but still be able to have enough deal flow and volume to comp a sales rep appropriately? Right. So maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll kind of dig into our two segments. Cause I think this will answer a lot of your questions, maybe even more so than the, the, the compensation part of it, which is that we've been in the process of moving up market now for a couple of years. And last year we've seen, a, a, a large amount of growth on the larger segment so when you look at our total numbers as a company of it all blended in, it looks a certain way. But once you start breaking it out into two segments, which is the 300 plus MRR group and the anything under 300 MRR, which usually typically would equate to self-serve customers, those two groups look drastically different. And so what we're doing is we're focusing more on the high touch segment because that that actually doubled last year. So if you look at the AR and MRR from that high touch group, that grew 98% in 2020, whereas the self-serve segment grew about 7.2%. And in terms of net new revenue? In terms, in terms of total MRR, including expansion. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So net net new revenue. Yeah, yeah. So, so just to so, be clear, you're talking about $300 a month plans. So you're talking like minimum, these are like $4,000 ACV accounts and higher is where you're focused on incentivizing the sales team to go close more deals. Well, actually, when I say 300 plus, all I mean is that is sort of the starting point of where we start breaking up that segment. But the actual ARPA from that group is 789. Oh, wow. So we're okay. About a 10K ish deal size. We've got a handful of customers that are above 20K in ACV, some or one in particular uh, closer to the 50 mark. Mm-hmm. But that's where we've been going as a company as far as sales targeting those accounts, bringing them on board, and CS expanding them. That healthy segment is it only makes up 20% of our total ARR 
but it's actually 2% of our logos. So we're finding, wow. yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, the, the logo churn on is under 1% a month. The, the net MRR churn is negative 2.3%. Um, the LTV is 85 K. So, you know, th- that segment is the one that we're essentially putting all of our effort towards. And so just to, like how I was going to say, just to be clear, when you say 2% logos on your 10,000, so you've got about 200 of these enterprise-like accounts with around a $10,000 ACV or higher, and that's where your three sales reps are focused on driving growth. Absolutely. 228 customers in that segment versus wow. 10 a total, right? Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, and and walk me through a little bit the experimentation you've done about how to add more value to that very tight segment. Are you upselling just number of seats? If not, is there a product-based upsell that's working really well? What's working? Yeah. So, I mean, the the way that we get the logos in the door essentially is with the Salesforce integration. Um, that's kind of the starting point for that 7K ACV. Uh, essentially, if you're a sales team that's of any kind of growth happening in it, you know, you're using Salesforce and you need a tight integration with like a managed package or or whatnot, plus the service component of, of professional services, onboarding, configuration, getting your account set up. That's where we're starting to find those, those larger high-touch customers, what they want and what they're willing to pay for. As far as expansion, it typically is seat sizes. So a, uh, one of those accounts might come in with about 10 or 20 seats that they want to start with. And then throughout the year, CS will, will expand or even go into other divisions or, or other parts of the company where they can resell, proposify into it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, so I'm looking at your pricing page right now. Um, you've got the user limits. Uh, you've got what else workspace. So talk to me about like workspaces. Uh, workspaces is, I mean, it's not actually as big a draw as, as you might think. I mean, it's, it's very dependent on the account. Like one of our largest accounts is, um, is a franchise, a cleaning franchise. So, you know, they might, they actually need several accounts or, you know, I think they're at 40 or 50 separate accounts. That's kind of where we get into workspaces, but it's not a huge driver as much as roles and permissions, Salesforce, uh, complex approval, um, products and price books, all those kind of features, single sign-on, security, and so forth, those get get more on the enterprise plan. When do you start dedicating engineering resources to developing new enterprise products so that you can add to your current seat-based upselling, your current feature-based upselling with Salesforce integration? It, I feel like there's a missing third there, which is your ability to sell them another $10,000 ACV contract for another product you know they need tangential to proposals. So if I, if I understand your question correctly, like how do we assign engineering resources? Essentially, like we've changed our, our pricing, our, our positioning uh, over the last couple of years, in particular last year, nailed down our positioning. So essentially the whole company is aligned around this higher touch segment. We don't, you know, we don't break out engineering teams or product teams to say, well, you guys go after the low segment and you go after the high one. Everybody is building for the high segment and if some of those improvements to the product also bleed down and help the, the smaller customers, that's great. But every team is essentially aligned around our, our target customer and our, the market that we're going after. What's the next big product release you guys are working on? Um, so the big thing that's going on right now is a complete redesign of our pricing tables. Um, the, you know, the sort of limitations customers have run into, especially when they get into complex pricing has been like being able to add multiple columns, being able to use um, 
uh, formulas and whatnot, sort of like an Excel and be able, be able to import that from Salesforce and feed it back. So if the customer selects certain products or services that gets fed back into the Salesforce reports for the financial teams. So that whole workflow of building pricing, how it gets displayed to customers, how it feeds into your pricing catalog, that's that's probably the one of the biggest ones that's that's coming this year. And then talking about, again, growth and aggressiveness moving forward, I would argue you guys have been pretty darn capital efficient with about, you know, call it a one-to-one ratio of equity raised to ARR that you've been able to generate. So your guys are, I would look at you and say you're great capital allocators. Last time you came on in 2019, uh, you said you were burning about $100,000 per month in terms of your bank decreasing that much. Are you guys profitable today or, or, or break even or where are you? I'd say we're depending on the month we're, we're around the break even mark some months we're, we're cash flow positive um you know other other times we, we essentially have the same amount in the bank that we that we did when we raised the money so we've kind of gone down periodically and then gone back up depending on the month yep okay interesting any acquisitions you're looking at doing uh not currently no interesting and if someone came to you i mean and offered you you know you know buy you at a, at a healthy valuation how would you guys think about an acquisition offer uh, on your table um, we would look at any, you know, anything that made sense for the business. I think, you know, what we really want to do as a company is um, this this segment that we're going after, where we're seeing the high growth, the the huge need in the market, the traction that we're starting to build around our positioning. That's really exciting to us, and we want, you know, I think Kevin and I are my co-founder. We want to see that through. Like, we want to get to the point where we're doubling ARR total, you know, in a year's time. Um, so I think when that happens, let's say one to two years out, we, we'd probably be in a better position to look at acquisition offers today. Um, I'd say it would have to be pretty, pretty healthy for us to, to want to look at it. Last question before we wrap up with the famous five, your SEO game is very strong. You rank for over 29,400 organic keywords. You're getting over 37,300 organic clicks per month. According to Ahrefs is which firm are you guys working with on the SEO side or is it in-house? We do it all in-house. Oh, wow. How many people are dedicated to that? Um, we don't really have anyone dedicated to SEO, but our marketing team um, sort of factors SEO work into into all the work that they're doing. It's about a 12, 12 person marketing team. Wow. Okay. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. Um, I just finished reading Inspired by Marty Kagan about how to create high tech products customers love. And it's uh, fantastic. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? CEO. Um, I don't want to go with a cliched answer here. <laughs> you know who I really like is Nathan Barry. Yep, I agree. Just had him on and the way that he does profit sharing with employees is remarkable. We've got the interview coming out. Actually, it'll be probably a day or two after yours, Kyle. So it'll be close together. Uh-huh. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building a Proposify? Um, I'm re- I'm, you know, currently in, in the process of falling in love with Gainsight PX. Num- number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Say seven to eight. And situation, married, single kids? Uh, married, second time for both of us, uh, and three kids. We, j- we just had our first together a year ago, so he's oh. about 30 months. Congrats. It's exciting. And uh, how old are you, Kyle? I'm sorry? How old are you? Uh, I will be 38 in September this year. 38. Last question. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? 
<laughs> pretty much everything that I've learned in the last 20, you know, 17 years. Um, that's man, that's a hard question. I think, I don't know. I'm stuck. You, you got me stuck on this one. Well, think about where were you when you were 20? What were you working on? What's something you wish you knew back then? I had no idea that I even wanted to be an entrepreneur. I didn't think I did. And uh, I've been doing it now 13 years or something like that. So, I mean, I, people is the biggest thing. Like it's sort of a cliche, but, uh, it's all about people finding the right people, coaching them. You know, you can't build a company by yourself. And that's something everybody takes a long time to figure out. Guys, there you have it. Proposify helps you get your proposals done. They've got a larger and larger enterprise segment. It makes up just 2% of their logos, but over 20% of their revenue, which topped $564,000 a month last month. That's up almost 20% year over year. It's very capital efficient. They've raised about a total of $7 million bucks recently did around in March of 2020, where $3 million went to the balance sheet and some other amount went to buying out earlier investors. They're scaling their team up to 100 people, 40 engineers, 10 sales employees, three quota carrying revenue. Net revenue retention is above 100%. Again, a lot of the healthy economics you see from the high growth SaaS companies Kyle is starting to see at Proposify. We're rooting for you, man. Thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan.